greatness. God, we sing of your greatness. We declare your sovereignty, your faithfulness over every generation. Help us to believe what we sing. Speak to our hearts through your word today, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So please pray for Carrie Culberson. Be sure to put her on your prayer list. Uh, she uh, was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor, and they did surgery on Monday. And uh, it's been a tough week on her, of course, and she is at the Fort Worth Rehab Center. And uh, a lot of work's got to be done with chemo and radiation in the next uh, few weeks. So be in prayer for the Culbersons and for care, of course, and also Brian Sutterfield. Brian is going down to uh, MD Anderson for two months for his cancer treatments. So please put he and Kim and the kids on, their, on your prayer list as it'll be a difficult time for them as well. So we've been looking this summer at faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And uh, we talked about the faith of the centurion, the least likely to show faith. And he really impressed Jesus. And of course, Jesus says as a result of that faith, he healed his servant. And then we talked about Habakkuk and, and the hope that, that Habakkuk experienced. Great hope and the power of hope. And Habakkuk said if the crops don't deliver, if there's no uh, fruit on the vine, if everything, it, the very worst thing that could ever happen, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will wait patiently on the Lord to bring about uh, healing for our land and the power of hope. And so today, let's take a look at love. The Apostle Paul says that you can speak in the tongues of man and the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, you're a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. You're annoying. If you can do all that spiritual stuff, but you don't have love, it's just, it's, it's hard to hear. And you just think about symbols all by themselves. They're not good for anything, right? When they clash, you're going, mm, but you put the symbols with everything else, and of course it blends right in. Paul also said to us, that uh, you can understand spiritual mysteries. You can, you can know the Bible backwards and forwards. You can, you can study it. You can teach it. You can teach it in school. You can be the doctor of it. But if you don't have love, it's of no value. It, it, it is just, there's nothing to it. Love's really important. So it's, it's better to have love than understand all the mysteries. You can just have limited understanding of the Bible. But if you love, it's something. But if you have all the understanding, but you don't love, it's, it's just not anything. And he also said that you can give all your clothes away. You can help the neediest of all the neediest people in the world. You can, you can just uh, be very uh, sacrificial. But if you do it without love, now, how would you give away everything without love? Well, you would do it to be noticed. You would do it to be honored. You would do it to, to be seen as, as really important or, or better than other people, perhaps. And, and Paul says, it's not love. That's, it's just, it's, there's, no, there's just no merit in that. Paul goes on to say that faith, hope, and love abide in us. And he says of faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. Consider what this old world would be like if it wasn't for some people 
who really loved, the remnant, the believers who really loved, what, what the community would be like without that boundary of love, without that boundary of conviction, without that boundary of the faith uh, people, the Jesus people. Can you imagine if, if there was no one of, the, of faith and of value and of convictions, you know, holding people to, to keep the law, to enforce the laws, to, to enforce a, a, a boundary on people. And if people were all selfish and they were all to themselves and they were all for themselves all the time, it, society would just fall apart. And, and so it's very important that the people of Jesus love. And, and the, the greatest thing that any of us can do is to love. And so you may be frustrated with society today. You may be frustrated with what's going on. You're going, what can we do to help out? What can we do to make a difference? The scripture tells us we love. We love the way God wants us to. In, in 1 John chapter 4, the scripture teaches us what that love is like, what the foundation of that love, the aspects of that love. And so look in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. Beloved, beloved, that's cool. Beloved, the people of the Lord, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us, means completed in us. So let's look at these different things. First of all, in verse 7, we learn that the love is the agape love. That's what the Greek word there for love is. Each, in, each word, each time love is mentioned here in the scripture here, it's agape love. It's not phileo. Now, people can love with phileo love. There's three words for love in the, in the New Testament. There's phileo, which means brotherly love. You see, the, the city of brotherly love is Philadelphia, right? It is the city of brotherly love, except when the cowboys play up there, then there's no love to be found. But that's what it means, brotherly love, to have affection for your family. Now, people can have that kind of love without God. They can have that love. They can learn that love. They can learn what it's like to be uh, concerned with family, to be concerned with mom and dad, brothers and sisters, to have an affection for them. But there's a limit to it. There are strings attached with that kind of love. And then there's eros. Eros is sexual love. It's infatuation. It's, it's when the hormones are out of whack. That's 
not the kind of love that God is using here for us. It's not phileo love, it's beyond that. And it's a love that we ourselves cannot manufacture. None of us can manufacture unconditional agape love. And so that's, that's what we see here. This agape love, when it says love one another, it means to love one another without strings attached, to love one another without anything in return expected. We don't love, we don't love other people so that we can be benefited ourselves. We love selflessly without anything in need of return. That's the love that God has given us. You see, it says, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And so at the second part of verse 7 and, and then in verse 8, we see that this love, this agape love, is the measurement of the Christian life. It's the measurement of faith. It's the determining factor of faith. Now, in 1 John, it's a great study for people who are, who are struggling with assurance of salvation because it goes through time and time again and said, if you're one of God's children, this is the, this are what's in your life. And, and one of the things that we can, we can look at, we can measure, you can see whether or not you are God's children, is whether or not this agape love is present in your life. Is it growing? Is it happening? Is there a stirring in you? Is there, is there moments where you have feelings that your emotions begin to well up and, and this love begins to boil in you? That's the Holy Spirit. And, and we all struggle with this. We all have to learn to yield to the Spirit, to yield to this, this bubbling up of love. And, and it's really important that we learn not to suppress it, but to let it happen. After all, he says, let us love one another. Let us just get out of the way and let it happen. And, and he says here, anyone who has been born of God and knows God has this love, this agape love. And then in verse 8, he says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So one of the ways you can determine whether or not you are God's child, that you are truly born again, that Matthew 7 that we talked about, that many will say to the Lord on that day, that day of judgment, Lord, we did all these things in your name. We prophesied, we, we did miracles, we, we gave, we, we, were, we were really religious and Jesus would say, depart from me, I never knew you. How we can have confidence in the judgment and not cower away from the judgment throne of God is, with, is to look at this idea of love in us. Is there agape love? If there is agape love, you are God's child. You have been born again. You have been redeemed. You have been regenerated. You're, one of the, you're a follower of Christ. Because you can't manufacture selfless love on your own. You can't learn it. You can't be educated. Your parents can't make it happen. They can, they can help you learn to be respectful of others. They can learn to help you grow in phileo love, but not agape love. Because agape love is from God. That's what the scripture says here. So it's a good tool to measure. A good tool to measure. So this afternoon, do something. Have a little homework assignment for you. Sit down in a cool spot, wherever that is for you. Sit down in a cool spot and consider love. Consider your love. Ask yourself some questions like this. Do you know agape love? 
Have you embraced his unconditional love for you? Are you okay with it? Do you realize that you are loved unconditionally without any strings attached? You are loved just as you are. And then consider this. Are you growing in that love? Not perfect in that love, but are you growing in that love? Are, are, you, are you having desires that you want to love other people without any strings attached? You just want to do it. Are you growing in a desire to be compassionate beyond yourself? Because if you're compassionate beyond yourself, then you're not expecting anything in return. And if that is present, and if that is growing, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And according to the Scripture here, you have God in your heart. You have God in your life. You are born of God, and you know God. And, and if you're struggling with uh, this love, and, and this love is boiling up in you, that's a great sign. That's a good sign. Now, you may have some work to do. You may have to learn to love with this agape love. That's just pretty much releasing it and letting it happen. But if that is present, that is a clear, clear-cut evidence that you're one of God's children. That's what the Bible says here. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Anyone who does not agape does not know God. And so take a look at your life. Is, is there some agape going on? Then the next thing we find in verse 9. Look at verse 9 said, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. That word manifest just means revealed. It became real to us. It could be seen. It could be encountered. It could be experienced. It could be felt. And in this, and in this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son in the world so that we might live through him. So the manifestation of the love of God, God showing his love. We find that in, in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so looking at the cross, realizing what Jesus has done for us on the cross, it, it makes clear the love of God. Now, I don't know what the clearest TV is now, but I remember what TV used to be like. And, and I can remember as a kid, it didn't matter if there was a tornado coming, it didn't matter if it was hailing, it didn't matter if it was freezing, if it was snowing. If, if my dad couldn't get the baseball game, I got up on the roof and moved the antenna. And, and, man, we had a little black and white down in there. And we, I'd, move it, boy, move it. <coughs> hold it, hold it. He'd yell through the deal. That's good right there. Come on down. And so I'd go down, and I'd go in there and look at it. And then, back then, that's a good picture, Dad. But as time has developed, and as I look at TVs now, we never had a good picture. Not once do we have a good picture. If we didn't have the cross of Christ, if we didn't have it, we would never have a good, clear picture of what love is like. But because we can look to the cross and we can see what Jesus did for us, while we were still rotten, while we were still childless, why we, we were still bitter, why we were resentful, why we were full of anger, 
while we're just broken people. Not, we just don't account for much, right? I mean, that's what he says, but while we were still sinners, we haven't arrived, we didn't understand, we're, we're still likely to betray God, we're still likely not to love God with all of our heart, he died for us. And you see, we look at that, and we see clearly, what is it, K4532 TVs now, where, you know, you can, if you get up close, you see all the pimples of those movie stars, he would, I always thought she was really pretty, but now not so much, right? And the guys, and then what, are they, what does that George Clooney have on me? He didn't have anything. Look at my face. Look at his. He's got, he's got some blemishes on his face. But it's crystal clear, the love of God, when we look at the cross. Thank goodness we've got the cross. And that's what verse 9 tells us there. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son, the great sacrifice. He gave us his only son, and he experienced our judgment, the judgment that is rightly ours because of our sin. He experienced it for us on that cruel death on the cross. And so that's when love becomes manifest, crystal clear for us. So if you're wondering what it means to Love people with agape love. Look at the cross, the sacrifice that was made while we're still sinners. And and further supports it in verse 10, the atonement. In this is love, not that we love God, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means sacrifice. It means that he paid the price of our sin. In Exodus, the scripture tells us that God will by no means clear the guilty. Sin must be punished. Sin must be punished. And sin was punished with Christ. He was the propitiation for our sins. He atoned for our sins. So when you're in that process of of letting the Holy Spirit develop and build that agape love in you, Man, realize what Jesus has done for us. The foundation of that love is that Jesus paid the price of our sin. We don't have to. We, we, were, we are rightly judged as wrong. The penalty is judgment because of our sin. But Christ took on that sin, and he died for us so that we don't have to. That's how good we've got it. So surely we ought to praise him and love him, and let that love flourish. Because his, his gift of atonement to us gives us complete victory that's worth rejoicing over. He's the propitiation of our sins. And then verse 11, it just makes sense to love. It's just reasonable to love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's just simple. It's just there's all the, all the unnecessary has been trimmed away. I mean, if God loves you like this, he's describing what agape love is like. If God loves you with no strings attached, if God loves you just as you are, surely we ought to respond with love. 
Surely we ought to love one another. And in verse 11 just says that loving one another is just reasonable because you have been loved. You, you love because you've been loved. Now, one of the things that's got to happen, as mentioned before, is you got to accept the love of God for you. If you accept the love of God for you, then you ought to love one another. Let the love go. Let the love flourish. Let the love happen. Love is the nuclear bomb of God. Love is. It's the greatest thing we can do. Love never fails, Hebrews. I mean, the uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never, fa- never fails. It, it may, may take a while for love to conquer. It may take a while for love to happen, but love never fails. It always glorifies God, and it always benefits people. When, when genuine, authentic, agape love is given, people ought to leave our presence as believers like this. Why'd they do that? Why do they care so much? How come they go the second mile? How come they're always willing to put up with me? How come I've betrayed them? How come I've treated them poorly, and yet they still love me? That ought to be us. When when people who the best love they can give is phileo love, right? When, When they sit down at night, they should be wondering about why we're so strange. They should wonder about that. They should wonder why we are so peculiar. What's up with these Jesus people? I mean, here I am. I've treated them like dirt. I, I just, I'm always throwing insults this way. I'm always trying to hurt them. And, and they're so strange, peculiar. They keep on loving back. I mean, isn't that what Jesus did on the cross for us? Isn't that how Jesus conducted himself in those last days when he was under unfair practices, when he was mistreated, when he was beat? When he was scourged, when they put the crown of thorns on his head, he's, he's on the cross. His father forgive him because they don't know what they're doing. He just loved and loved and loved. And, and that really should be how we're perceived in this world. That the people who the, the best love they can produce is phileo. They just shouldn't, they, they cannot, they should be questioning the agape love that we're giving them. And so we're known by our love. But for people, we should be strange, peculiar, crazy, foolish, right? They should sit around and go, I, I can't believe these people are like that. What's wrong with them that they're like this? And, and that's, that's the way it should be because, after all, isn't the love of Jesus misunderstood? And if the love of Jesus is misunderstood, then our love should be misunderstood. We're to be the lovers that show what it's like for Jesus to die on the cross, to love like that. It's just reasonable. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let the love happen. Show the love. Be the love. Express the love. Express the love with words and express the love with deeds. Be the strange one on the block. Be the one that goes the extra mile at work, at school. Be the one that doesn't need to be noticed, doesn't need to get credit, doesn't need to be seen, doesn't need to be, you know, approved of. 
We just love. We just love. And then the next thing we see here is in verse 12. It is the greatest advertisement there is for the gospel, for the body of Christ, for the church, for the activity. It's better than a radio spot. It's better than TV commercials. It's better than billboards. It's better than flyers. It's better than signs in the yard. It's better than anything we can do. It is the greatest advertisement there is. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us. That means he remains in us. And his love is perfected in us. That means his love is complete in us. He can be seen. Now, I've never seen the wind blow, right? Think about that for a moment. You've never seen the wind blow. You've never seen it. You felt it. You've seen it move leaves. You've seen it blow uh, paper across the dirt. You've seen it move the sand. You, you have feel today, you'll go outside, and, and you'll feel the intense heat against your cheek. You'll feel the heat that's there. That wind blows the heat, right? But you hadn't seen the wind. You don't know where the wind started. You can't go to the place today and go, this is where the wind started. No, because it's right here. No, this is where and, and without the leaves moving, the grass moving, without feeling it, you don't know the wind's moving. No one has ever seen God like the wind, but boy, do you see his presence. You feel his presence. You, 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 you see a crystal clear picture that God is God and the wind is our love. And so it's reasonable that we love one another it's the best advertisement we could ever do. And so this, this ought to be the conversation of an atheist, of an agnostic, of someone who is yet to believe. Man, I, I can't give explanation for why these people treat me like this. It doesn't make sense. They're not benefiting from what they're doing. Their respect, their nurture, their compassion... Their, their forgiveness. They're, they're looking over my sins because love covers a multitude of sins. The fact that they keep on putting up with me, the fact they keep on doing things in a nice way for me, they keep on helping, they keep on caring. Why? Well, it must be God. It's not of man. It's of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another. Because when we love each other, God is clearly seen in our world. His love is seen. The sacrifice of Jesus is seen. The possibility of God is questioned. There, that the desire to believe begins to happen. And it's just reasonable that we love each other and it's just the best, it's just the best cotton-picking advertising that we can do. 
So if the greatest thing that we can do is love, then that's what we should do, right? If the greatest thing that we should do is to love unconditionally, then by stars, that's exactly what we need to do. And see what the Lord does. And so love. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue love. In the English Standard Version, in the NLT, it says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your number one goal. And so your number one goal is not to make money. Your number one goal is not to do a good job at work. Your number one goal is not to learn algebra. Your number one girl goal is not to make the sports team. Your number one goal is, is not to be a better dad. Your number one goal is not to be a better mom. None of that. Those come after. The number one goal is to love. I'm going to love. If you're an engineer, you're going to be an engineer that loves. You do your work. You do your calculations. You build your products. You do all those things but you're known by your love to be a dad, to be a coach, to be a player, to be, a, to be educated, whatever it is, whatever your aspirations are, number one is love, is love. Jerome lived in the 300s. Jerome was quite a fellow. I'd like to spend some time with Jerome. Jerome was a scholar, and he took the Latin and put it into Greek, and uh, mistranslated penance, is, uh, repentance is penance, which caused a lot of trouble in, in, in the world, uh, in religion. And uh, uh, Jerome, towards the end of his life, lived around uh, the cave that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Fascinating guy. Jerome says this about the disciple John. John was exiled on the island of Patmos. We've got the book of Revelation from John. And, and he was the only disciple that lived to be old. The rest of them died horribly. The rest of the disciples died horrible deaths along the way. None of them got to real old age, but John did. And Jerome said, wrote down, that the story is that when it was time for the church meeting, it was time for, for God's people to come together, that they would go get John and because he was so old, they would carry him to the meeting place. And he would sit there. I mean, and of course, can you imagine what it's like to go to church with John? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, I noticed that uh, this past uh, week, one of our uh, last remaining uh, medal winners in World War II passed away. I mean, to be the only one left is an amazing thing. Can you imagine going to church with Someone, the only one, the only one in the world at that particular time that was still alive and had seen Jesus. That would be an amazing thing, wouldn't it? And so they would bring him in, and he would never say a word. He was, he was brittle. He was, his energy was gone and lacking. And at the end of every meeting, he would say, little children, let us love one another. And Jerome says that the people began to question, why does he always say that? Why does he always say, at the end of every one of our meetings, when it's his time to speak up, he says the exact same thing every time. Little children, let us love one another. And so they questioned him in one of those meetings. And they said, John, why at the end of all of our meetings do you say, little children love one another? And, and his response was this. If you love one another, and all you do is love one another, you'll, you've done enough. 
God will do the rest. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Satan is very wise. And he will say to us, no, 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 no. You need to be right. No, 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 no. You, you need to be, you need to hold the line. No, 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 no. You need to control. No, 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 no. You need to be seen as really more spiritual than them. That'll benefit them. No, 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 no. That's what Satan would do. And if we will just love one another, God will do the rest. Surely, if God loves us, we ought to love one another. Help us, Lord, to be open to love, to grow in agape love. And Father, we know it's the greatest power there is because you told us. Lord, help us to love. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward, please.